Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Again, let's just relax and just anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside and just remind yourself, be aware of God's presence right with you right now, unconditionally. We've been talking a lot about our soul, the soul realm, and how our soul relates to it and our soulical abilities. We also want to talk a little bit about our self. And what we're going to start looking at is the difference between our soul and our self. We have a tendency to, when, when I say self, we have a tendency to think of the, the self as who we are. But if you've been born again, you're a spirit being. You're a living spirit being. If you've not been re-spirited, you're a dead spirit being. It's the condition of your spirit that determines who you are, not your soul, not yourself. You are a spirit being. So you're either a living spirit being or a dead spirit being. You have a soul and you live in a body. We've talked quite extensively about how when your spirit was not available to your soul, that your soul created its own identity, its own life, its own way of getting its needs met. And that's what we can call the self. Now, just as we don't get too caught up in differentiating between supernatural and spiritual, People are, you know, we don't want to be so uh, sensitive and um, easy to offend on using the wrong words. But what's important to understand that how you see yourself right now is probably based on attributes and defenses and bad habits that you have in your soul. That's not really who you are. Yourself is not who you are. Your soul is not who you are. But your soul is at least the gift that God gave you. And again, your soul, with God's knowledge and allowance, created yourself. Now, just like your soul has strengths and weaknesses, so does yourself. You could even say that yourself is the outer garments of your soul, what your soul is protecting itself with, what it is getting its needs met with. Uh, you know, nice big thick coat and, and a mask and a hat and shoes and boots and socks and clothes and can change for whatever is necessary to get its needs met. 
for you and me, our challenge, and it's going to be a big one, is to distinguish and differentiate between our self and our soul as God changes and removes ourself. Because it's going to, the process, he's going to do it, but it's going to change how we see ourselves and likely how we see others. Where God is not interested in making your soul better. The soul he gave you is exactly the one he wanted you to have for the purpose of the whatever he's doing here on this earth in and through you. But he knows that that's not who you are. Our problem is is we don't. We still think that you know what you know what you're listening with, what you're reasoning with, your emotions, your mind, your will, the everything that's about you and how you see yourself, how others see yourself, perceive none of that is basically none of that's real. It's about you. It's not you. And your soul is something you have. Again, it's not you. It's not even an extension of you. Your soul is a gift God gave you for a purpose and for a time. And it's not perfect and it's not going to be perfected. It's not going to be somehow transformed into holiness, whatever that might mean to you. Because that's not its purpose. Its purpose is to accomplish change in you that God has set aside for you here, for here at this time, whatever, you know, your situation is here on this earth. I don't know whether you had a soul, you and I had a soul before we came to this earth, and I don't know whether we'll have, and even if it's this soul, I don't know whether we take it with with us when our spirit goes on to the next thing. Don't know whether we take on our body. or don't, We just don't know. We don't have enough information, which is why it's not wise to draw conclusions, to try to create a doctrine and a belief system, to try to act when we don't have enough information. And why do we want information? So we can use our mind and understand. And where is our mind? Our mind is in our soul. And if our soul thinks it understands, it creates a new layer of self to protect itself or to meet its needs. Like if I can understand God, if my soul, myself, can understand what God is doing right now, for instance, then I, myself, can make the right decisions, can prepare, can get ready, can warn people, can have some semblance of control. And that's what our self 
That's what our self wants is control and to avoid pain, avoid rejection, and avoid being controlled or manipulated by anyone else. Now, your soul was meant to get its needs met by your spirit. And even now, your spirit is drawing your soul ever closer to it, piece by piece, fiber by fiber, line upon line, thought by thought, because your spirit loves your soul. There's an, there's an entanglement there between the two. God created your soul for your spirit. But your soul has, has a double life, has a double mind, a double will, double emotions. You know, this is often why we're depressed, why we're confused, because we feel out of control. We feel rejected. We, we feel like, you know, there's something wrong with us. Even Christians, or maybe even more so Christians, because we are being pulled, our soul is being pulled toward spirit, toward the light, toward truth, and, and the very life of God. And yet, it's so used to wearing the clothes of a deceiver, a protector, that it has a hard time giving that up. What if this other thing, this God thing, what if that doesn't work out? What if I can't trust God after all? What if he, what if he makes me do something I don't want to do? What if he makes me give up something I don't want to give up? I want to I have a backup plan. I want to be able to protect myself. I want to have self-control. I want to have self-respect. I want to have self-worth. And we end up being selfish and self-centered and self-absorbed. And none of those really involve who we truly are, which is spirit, or the reality of the soul that God gave us. So we don't know who we are. We don't know what our soul is like. So we have no idea how it manages its own affairs in the soulical realm, in the supernatural realm. Because we are still so separated from the characteristics of our soul. We're absorbed in the self. Fortunately, God knew that. God knows where we're at. And he can make any change he wants like that. Just boom, like a thought. A blinking of the eye. So those areas that he hasn't changed, it's just not time for that. And we again, we want to understand with our mind. And another biggie is, and that's again, it's not our soul, it's our self that is insisting on understanding. And there's other ways we use our mind. Um, likewise, with our emotions, we we you know, perhaps notice this coming week, how many people say that doesn't feel right? Or, I feel that. That's not, 
that's an extension of the soul that has taken it a duty, a responsibility to protect itself and expand its reality selfishly, self-control, self-protection. But it's not who your soul is. It's not what your soul is. It's an extension of that. It's a mask. It's not reality. And yet that's where we live. And we surround ourselves with people who think the way we do and who feel the way we do and who act the way we do. Our, our will, our chooser, our decider, we want to be around those who have the same, have the same outlook and motivations and behave the same way in order to justify selfish, self-absorbed, self-centered behavior. And again, God knew that because that's an, a, an extension of what your soul does, our soul does, without spirit. They're simply a way of looking at the bad habits that your soul has started and will continue until God says, nope, I'm not going to let this work anymore. But then what he does is separates our soul and ourself. And we can go through wrestling and make it harder when we try to cling to uh, that misunderstanding of what our self is. When he starts pulling us away from the people that reinforce the soul's, the, the self's bad habits, well, the soul's bad habits, which are the self. So, for instance, when you, if you start to change what you believe, even if you don't understand it, it's okay to change what you believe. But odds are the other people who still want to continue to believe what you used to believe aren't going to go with you. They may even reject you because... They're, that belief system that yourself has created, that their selves have created, protects them, gives them a sense of control. And they're doing it the way God created your soul to function. So there's no condemnation or challenge, you know, in, as far as there's no guilt or shame from God when we find out that that's what we've been doing. Because he's like, well, that's what I created you. That's how I created you to be. So it's not a surprise. He doesn't, doesn't, now he knows that it's hurtful to us. We've talked before about that's the nature of sin. It's, it's not that it bothers him other than it hurts us. When we do things that hurt ourselves, that's what hurts God. Because he loves us. Not because it's a bad witness or because, 
you know, he dis- we disappointed him. It's like, no, he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And when we do things or believe things or choose things that hurt us, it hurts him. Now we're, we're in the process where we're going to make mistakes. And we learn often so much more when we make those mistakes. So don't, you know, it's, it's, it's not, this is not meant to be a frustration, but rather a recognition that as time goes by, as God continues to draw your soul towards him, towards your spirit, which is in him, it's going to leave yourself behind. Yourself is not going with your soul. So there's going to be even more discomfort. You know, I I used to enjoy doing this. You know, I used to enjoy hanging around with those people. That, you know, I, I just look at them now and they're so immature and they're just mean and they're judgmental and they aren't really, they don't really care about me and they're, I just really don't want to be involved in that lifestyle. And that change is your soul being drawn to your spirit, leaving yourself behind. Again, don't get too caught up in, you know, using soul and self. It's just a way to distinguish those bad habits have created an identity, an identity that others perceive, but also we perceive ourselves. God doesn't. God doesn't see you according to yourself or your soul. He sees you according to your spirit. So as we change, as we learn, for instance, about our soulical abilities, and as our soulical abilities start to work, there's going to be a separation, a greater separation between our soul and ourself with the use of those solical abilities. The reason being is simply because those solical abilities reside in our soul. And so the more we use any aspect of, they don't reside in ourself, they reside in our soul. So as we use the abilities that are in our soul, there's going to be a greater separation between our soul and our self. Our self wants credit. Our self wants attention. Our self wants power and control and protection and, you know, whatever particular, you know, aspect of your particular soul is out there. Or, or maybe the opposite, doesn't want any attention, doesn't want to draw attention to itself, wants to hide and just wants to be non-existent until, you know, that we're, we are all boomed off this planet and we go on to the next thing. But God has other plans, and we don't know them except in our spirit. But his, one of his purposes is to draw your soul to your spirit which will leave yourself, your bad habits, behind. And we can go through that process more easily if we understand that that's what he's doing, is he's not letting your 
bad habits, yourself, your, you know, we don't want to say your bad self because there's no good self. It's not a bad self, good self. It is, it was a necessary self. Your soul had no choice but to do the best it could. So God's not mad at yourself. And he doesn't want us to be mad at ourselves. Disappointed or ashamed of ourselves. No, we simply go, okay, well, that's not who I am. That's not my soul. What's next? And we recognize that as God pulls our soul towards, draws our soul towards our spirit, things are going to change in how we approach the mind, the will, and emotions, who we hang out with, what we believe, how we react to different situations, the choices we make. Things are going to change. Sometimes they're going to be significant changes, and we realize, you know, we've really made a mistake that was not healthy for us in choosing the job we did. Or, you know, that we, the people we hang out with or how we spend our money or what we believe. We want to be willing to, to recognize this is something that God is, is on the opposite end. He is the one instigating this change. He's the one drawing your soul right out from under yourself. And we can let the self go and start to get to know our soul. God wants us to know how we think, our mind, our will, and emotions. Again, it's your soul is God's gift to you, just as your body is God's gift to you. He wants you to take care of it. He wants you to respect it. It's not you, but it has a value for whatever your circumstances are here on this earth. He doesn't hold it against you because your soul is meant to protect itself. That's, you know, we talked about that's one of its main, you know, its uh, solical DNA is control. That's how it protects. It protects the environment. It protects other people. It controls its environment. It controls other people. It tries to control God. It tries to control spirit. It does it through the self. Your soul will create a perception of who God is to protect itself. Your soul will create a self-image to protect itself until God says, no, I'm not letting you hide behind that mask. I'm not even going to let you look in the mirror anymore. I want you to look at me face to face. And he draws your soul to your spirit. So you will know him and become one spirit, soul, and body. Everything that's going on in your life is about you. And we will be changing how we see ourselves, our own self-image, our own, the things we say to ourselves, the things we believe about ourselves. And God does that by freeing our soul, drawing our soul towards him and leaving the self behind. 
And we may even have grief and mourning over what we lose because it served its purpose well. And sometimes it's not negative at all. You know, let's say, you know, a great athletic person, a great athlete wins the Olympics and their identity is so wrapped up in performance and having to be number one and how other people perceive them and the competition and loves it and is great at it. And yet God is pulling that soul to reveal that that's all just an attempt to be loved, to prevent rejection, to serve a purpose that is no longer necessary. And God says, that's not going to work for you anymore. Now, whether that person continues to compete athletically or not doesn't really matter. What is important is that God is drawing that soul toward its own spirit and freeing that person from the self that had to get the rewards, had to compete, had to be better, because that's where its identity was. Now, this is an unfolding thing for each one of us, and like so many different things, there's going to be unique a unique pathway, a unique challenge, a unique, what it looks like is going to be unique for, for each one of us. Each one of us has a path that God is drawing us on. And there are things that we have in common, again, like, like the soul has the mind, will, and emotions, and those are things, just words we use in general, just to try to describe general characteristics. We don't at this point, we don't have enough information to, to say much more. You know, there's the conscience, there's the, the perception of, of uh, different layers of reality. We could say those are different aspects of the soul, but it's, we don't really, it's hard to quantify. So we use broad definitions. And the same way with the self. The whole idea is that our soul has created its own identity to get its needs met, its basic need to be able to control its environment, to prevent pain, to prevent rejection, to try to get those needs for love and acceptance and value, to get those needs met. And God's over here meeting those needs. And your soul is kind of going back and forth between God you know, drawing them to the spirit and its own way of, its old way of life. And eventually it says, I'm going to go with God. And that self is left. Now the self is, has no life of its own. So where it can be a grieving and, you know, oh, I'm never going to see it. Those Those were my best friends. And I'm turning my back on them. You know, I used to believe this so fervently. This has to be true. I was such a fool. You know, I, I, I have to, you know, well, if that's not true, why should I believe anything? We run through different scenarios to try to explain and understand or our feelings to, to try to ex, uh, get out from under hurt and disappointment and shame. And yet, 
the greatest benef- the greatest um, outcome is that they just fade away. You don't you don't need to overcome yourself. As yourself is separated from your soul, yourself will just return to where it came from. Nowhere. The imagination of your soul. It just is no longer necessary. It just goes away. And we, we may even have a memory of it. But in light of the truth of the reality of our experience with our spirit, our needs truly being met, we may or may not even want to look back and go, I used to believe this. I used to feel like this. I always felt ashamed. I always felt like I never measured up. I always felt like I needed to have more people around me. I always felt like I needed to have people to protect me. And I was angry when they didn't. And then we find out, well, no, that's, that's all a projection. That's all an imagery that my soul created to protect itself. And we can, in fact, say, well, it served its purpose. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And we can embrace what God is doing in our life and just enjoy the process. Because he knows, he gave us those needs. Your need for love is a God-given need in your soul. Your need to be valued as, a, as a, an individual have respect and appreciation as an individual, that's a God-given need. That need came from God. He's not going to be angry that we experience that need. So, and, and acceptance, acceptance that we, you know, of, of who we truly are, of our, our quirks and our temperament and, and how our soul works. Those God made our soul that way. He doesn't hold it against us that the very gift he gave us operates in a certain way. And the, as we embrace that concept that our soul is a gift and our self is a mask of that gift and we are restored between soul and spirit, we simply can return to being grateful and appreciate appreciate <coughs> just say thank you lord what's next so we'll be getting back together again the same time next week thanks for tuning in this has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio have a great night <laughs>